Hold up. Hello and welcome to this episode of Outside the Box Score, where we bring you new and interesting perspectives about the world of sports. I am your host, Jonathan Michael, and as always, I will be joined by my co-host, the marvelous Joey Thompson, in just a few minutes. But before we get started, I want to mention this podcast is brought to you in part by Rakuten. Rakuten is a cash back program. You're getting cash back for all the purchases that you normally make. You don't have to change any of your habits. You don't have to change any of the stores that you shop at as they have thousands of partners. You simply sign up through our link listed in the description of this podcast. You'll receive a special offer, some free money to get started. And uh, you're going to get paid for the purchases that you make using their program. It's as easy as one, two, three. They highlight the steps for you there. It's a great program to become a part of. Everyone's doing a lot of online shopping with the pandemic, trying to stay home, trying to stay safe. We'll go ahead and visit their website. You don't have to change a thing and how you buy and how you purchase and the places that you go. You just make an account with them and you get started. want to mention also to follow along with us on Twitter at JM. OTB pod at MT OTB pod, where we'd love to connect with you and uh, share our thoughts and, and have a dialogue with you throughout the week. And with that, let's get into the show. Let's kick off our first quarter and talk about what really decided the Super Bowl. Yes, we know. Tom Brady is the greatest of all time. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense was the better unit. But when I look at this Super Bowl and watching that game, the difference was what we talked about on this show about week four, week five, how you build a football team. Offensive line matters. Remember, the world was very political. I created a slogan O-line matters, kind of a play on words, but it has never been more true than what we saw in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes ran around, running for his life over 420 yards, the most running yards, evading pressure in the NFL season. I don't think it's really a debate who's the better talent. Yes, Tom Brady is the GOAT, but Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. He's a Super Bowl MVP. He's a regular season MVP. He can throw from body angle A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. He had the better weapons. He had it all going on in that offensive unit, yet they could not find the end zone. Why? Well, because their left tackle got injured, and they moved – three different players around to retool that line, and they simply could not block Tampa Bay's defensive pressure. They dropped back in two high safeties. They brought a few guys in, and they couldn't block them. There was nothing they could do about it. So when you're building your team, when you're trying to win a Super Bowl, we always talk about quarterbacks and the receivers. They're like the sports cars. And the defense, people say defense wins championships. Sometimes it does. Tampa Bay did make that case. But that defense was made by the Kansas City offensive line. They couldn't block anybody. 
if you're trying to build a Super Bowl champion, you got to have that offensive line because guess what? Tom Brady didn't have any time back there. Wouldn't matter. He's kind of like 43 years old, and he's got nice pocket presence and moves around a bit, but not quite exactly mobile like Patrick Mahomes. It would have ended worse for Tom Brady than it did for Mahomes. It's the O-line, Marv. That's what I'm saying. That's what changed the Super Bowl. Everyone's talking about Tom Brady, and we can't say enough about him. We'll get that in a minute. But first of all, Marv, I want to welcome you to the show, the marvelous Joey Thompson. How are you doing today? Hey, Jonathan. Doing great. Enjoyed the uh, Super Bowl. It was an awesome game. The experience was great. Uh, of course, it was in my backyard, basically, here in Tampa Bay. So, you know, after they won, it was great scene, the celebration. It was beautiful, and the weather was nice. Great Super Bowl. Yeah, it was a very good game. I enjoyed it thoroughly, maybe because I have a soft spot for Tom Brady, who was a very big deal, obviously, in the game. I think he made a huge difference, and I know we'll get into that. But I say, Marv, I started it week four. I think then week five, if if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around that time, we talked about how Tampa was the special team that was maybe not the best team, but cut out to win the Super Bowl this year. So we're kind of on fire on the Super Bowl. The offensive line made a huge difference. Uh, that special team made a huge difference in the Super Bowl, and they ultimately won. They said the ratings were down, Marv. I, I, uh, may, you think people were <laughs> frustrated with watching Brady again? Or, or I think it's, it has something to do with the cord cutting and the streaming. They can't, they can't quite get that numbers down. I believe so. It deals with those, a lot of people were streaming, especially here in um, – there was a little report out there that more people in Boston were watching the Super Bowl over people in Tampa Bay. Well, to correct that report, a lot of people here in Tampa Bay were in bars together. They're at watch parties. Florida, you know, man. Here in Florida, it's, you know, basically there's not many restrictions. So that's why that number is a little skewed. I feel like the ratings may have been affected because of that, because a lot of people down here were getting into bars and and watch parties, man. And it was it was a great experience. The whole city was on fire that weekend. There's something funny about that number. I don't totally believe it, but let's get back into the football game. Kansas City had the better weapons, the better talent. Uh, you and I both agreed. We picked uh, the Bucks on the spread plus three and a half. That bet became more obvious as the week went on. Uh, but I thought Kansas City was – they kind of showed me more. They were the better football team overall. Uh, I thought they would – it's tough to bet against them, but here we are in the Super Bowl. Not only they lose, they get blown out. What did you see in the game? What happened? Why did that happen? The biggest thing I noticed was the Buccaneers constantly put pressure – on Pat Mahomes. He was the most pressured quarterback in Super Bowl history. I believe they put pressure on him 92%. It was it was a number in the 90s, but it was a really high number. And that's something you've never seen before. But what that tells me, that was great coaching by Todd Bowles. He noticed a weakness and he attacked it. And they constantly put pressure on Mahomes all night. And they weren't even really blitzing. The, the times they blitzed, they, they did a cornerback blitz, which was really neat. Uh, and I don't think the Chiefs expected that because they blitzed 
both corners from the outside, and then they put the safeties in coverage. And even then, I believe that was a throw that he made to um, it, it was um, Tyree Kill when he hit him in the, in the face mask. That's when they blitzed the corners. They were coming after Brady all day and exploited that weakness that we've been talking about, which was the injuries on their offensive line. They were missing their star left tackle, and then they were missing also their starting right tackle, Swartz. And people forget they were also missing their star right guard who opted out in the beginning of the year. So this Chiefs offensive line was basically patchwork. They had Mike Remmers in at right tackle, and he was getting lit on fire. That name sounds familiar? That's the same guy who got lit up by Von Miller in Super Bowl 50. So I don't think he's ever going to be able to get a job again in the NFL after losing back-to-back Super Bowls and giving up so many sacks and pressures in the Super Bowl. So that was just a big glaring weakness that the Chiefs showed. And if you're a really good coach, you pay attention to these things and you attack it. And that's what the Bucks did to perfection. Yeah, he was a backup for a reason, Marv. He had a job, but it's kind of on the bench. Uh, but I want to talk about that. You, you mentioned the line, and it was retooled. Everyone's talking about Tom Brady, which is awesome, uh, and he was awesome. But we've, we've, we've uh, covered that pretty strongly already. And uh, everyone's talking about, well, Mahomes' legacy might be damaged. I don't agree with that. He had no help whatsoever. Because of that offensive line and because of, I think, some other factors, uh, the line was retooled, as you mentioned. They moved. They had an injured left tackle, and instead of just plugging in somebody at left tackle, they moved around three different pieces and basically created a whole new offensive line that only played in the Super Bowl together, which I thought was a mistake. You saw mistakes as well in the game plan itself. Can you tell our audience more about that? One thing I did notice as uh, going back to what the Buccaneers were doing, they were running two safeties high 90% of the game. And the biggest mistake I thought in that game was Andy Reid made no kind of adjustments. Even when the Buccaneers went up 21 to 9, go, I'm sorry, 21 to 6 at halftime, you would think the Chiefs would make adjustments. Early in that first drive, they, ran, they came out and they did a draw. It's like 20-something yard run, 25 yards. It was their longest play of the game. And what does the Chiefs do the next couple plays? They go back to passing the ball. And I think that really affected them because there was really no balance in the offense, and the Bucks were just sitting back there and waiting with their two high safeties, and then they were bringing in the heat with their, their uh, front seven, which was doing really good, especially um, Vita Vea, and uh, Shaq Barrett, they also had uh, JPP was giving uh, pressure all day. It was just the Bucks unit was just so much better, and and Andy Reid refused to make adjustments. Uh, all he had to do was throw a few screens, a couple draws, run the ball. I mean, I understand Clyde Hilaire has not been the same since the Saints game when he got injured, but they also had Le'Veon Bell. And Darrell Williams mix it up a little bit. I believe uh, Mahomes threw over 49, at least 49 pass attempts. And then if you look at their running attempts, it was the only person running was Pat Mahomes running for his life. And that really affected them 
and I felt that Mahomes was trying to make something out of nothing, and he was forcing bad passes the majority of the time. And fortunately, two of them were intercepted, and that that basically put the cherry on top of the game and iced him. I want to be clear in saying that Todd Bowles deserves co-MVP because even with that offensive line, it's not easy to stop Tyreek Hill, and it's not easy to stop Patrick Mahomes. But the game plan, as you mentioned, was not good on the Kansas City side whatsoever. And everybody has a bad day. I get it. Uh, Andy Reid, it doesn't change my opinion of him. Hall of Fame head football coach. Uh, Wouldn't want him to go anywhere if I were a Chiefs fan. But I got to wonder, his son gets into a car accident under the influence, injures children, almost kills them. And um, it's not an indictment on anybody's character. People make mistakes. That's not what I'm getting at. Certainly not a mistake you should make, though. But on Thursday, can't help but wonder if that didn't cloud the judgment of Andy Reid trying to make a game plan from Thursday until Sunday. And then within the game, you know, what was that? He said through for 43, 49 times, whatever it was. It's a lot of times with no offensive line. And Andy Reid also showed the ability to commit to the run. That's been one of the knocks on him, as you kind of alluded to, that he won't commit to the run. But he did it against Buffalo in the regular season. You guys want to play too high safety? You want to stop our deep threat? Okay, we'll just run it every play for five yards, seven yards, eight yards, nine yards. Maybe he felt they couldn't do that with the offensive line. But as you said, balance, balance, balance. They were overmanned at the line. And there was nothing they could do about it other than mix it up. And they didn't do that. And they weren't down by all that much the entire game. I know it ended 31-9, but they were in it for a lot of the game. It was 21-6 to at halftime. Uh, they, they made a stop on the goal line. That was a momentum swing. I mean, they had plenty of time in that first half to make up for it. It, was, it wasn't 21-6 to until the very end of the half. Before that, it was 14-6 to and 7-6. And to I mean, they were in the game a lot, and they didn't run at any, any point in time. So, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great Super Bowl. Tom Brady, seven rings, incredible. But all those receivers, not so useful when you can't block for them. O-line matters. It's never been more true than it is today. Let's kick off our second quarter. Talk a little bit about drama in Seattle. You may have heard by now, Russell Wilson went on the Dan Patrick show. Mr. Ra-Ra, go Hawks. Says everything perfect. Do you think he's a scripted politician? That Russell Wilson went on Dan Patrick and said that he was unhappy with his team, the Seahawks. He'd like a little bit more say. He'd like to do things a little bit differently. Whoa, public criticism of Mr. Gohawks. You know, he ends every single uh, speech or (laughs) appearance with that little cheesy line. And Russell Wilson, I've always liked him, but he's had a lot of doubters, a lot of haters, a lot of questions from inside the locker room of his teammates, little rumblings, not to the level of Carson Wentz, but not one of the guys, not a dog. Are we now seeing Russell Wilson's real self? I'm sorry, Mr. Ra-Ra, go Hawks, 
marrying a pop star. I don't see it. Pippi Longstocking, no, that's not it. I think there's something beneath that level. And I think we're starting to see it. And in an age and in an era of social media where there's cameras on all the time, there's access to everyone's thoughts 24-7, it's hard to hide who you are. And if you do, people know it. They know it's inauthentic, they know it's fake, and they know it's false. And Russell Wilson was playing that politician, that perfect character, for too long. And it was wearing thin. And he's finally showing his true self. And while some of you may think that this is not a good thing, oh, drama in Seattle, I'm going to tell you this is a good thing. They need some drama in Seattle. Their offense is from the dinosaur age. He should be unhappy about that. He should make his voice heard about acquiring offensive linemen that will protect him. And the other point, throughout history, throughout sports, America has shown, the world has shown that we appreciate players, people that show their true selves. Remember when Tom Brady was Mr. I'm the team guy, whatever Belichick says. Then he goes to Tampa. I think everybody likes him a little bit more. He's become more relatable. He's shown more of his self in Tom versus time. And then I look at LeBron, Mr. Cleveland. We're going to do it the right way. We're going to do, you know, he's kind of Mr. Friendly. And then he goes to create Mr. Super Team, and he's gained the respect of a lot of people. So I think the movement towards individuality and speaking your mind is important. It's a good thing. It garners respect of teammates. And Russell Wilson's best is yet to come by being his real self. Marv, we see the drama in Seattle and uh, can't help but wonder, do you think that this is a positive for Russell Wilson? And where do we go from here? Will they trade him? You know, is he that unhappy? What's the situation looking like from what you're hearing? This is a big positive for Russell Wilson. Uh, before this, a lot of people were getting an image of Russell Wilson being a softy, soft-spoken guy who doesn't speak up for himself. And this has opened a lot of eyes. A lot of people are like, whoa, where did this come from? Well, in reality, this has always been Russell Wilson. He's just been trying to be a team player and be drama-free. But enough is enough. Uh, as we've said countless times, Russell Wilson most of the time is thrown to fr- refrigerators and 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 nobody. They finally got him a receiver. They got lucky by luck and uh, hit on the two draft picks with Lockett and with uh, what's his name? Uh, Metcalf, his name. DK Metcalf. Metcalf, DK Metcalf in the second round because a lot of teams passed on him. They got lucky and hit a diamond in the rough. So they finally got them two receivers. Tight end, they still don't have one. Running back, they still don't have one. Offensive line, they tried to trade for Dwayne Brown. They got Dwayne Brown from the Texans. He's often injured. Then the rest of their offensive line is patchwork. Everyone's injured. So how's he supposed to win big games when you can't block for him? As we mentioned, O-line matters, and he's tired of, of getting hit. He's been sacked. 
He's one of the, the most sacked quarterbacks in NFL history. He gets sacked at least 40 times per season on average. That's the most by anyone. And you can take a look at the stats and look it up. It's the truth. No other quarterback gets hit as much as Russell Wilson. And, yeah, you may say, well, he runs around a lot. But who's? it's not his fault that he's running around a lot because the offensive line lets pass rushers through, and he has to make something out of nothing. As we've seen, he's doing, they call it the backyard football, which him and Lockett have down pat really well. And sometimes it works out really well, and sometimes it doesn't. And it turns into a multiple interception game. So he's tired. He knows he's getting up in age. He's about, I believe, 32 years old. So he's he's to the point where he's like, look, I'm seeing Tom Brady winning championships. And his team, the reason they won, his team listened to him when he asked them to bring in Gronk, when they he asked them to bring in A.B., when he asked them to bring in other players like Leonard Fournette, the Bucks listened. And the result was they won the Super Bowl. And he's seeing that. And we saw, if you watch the Super Bowl, he was sitting right next to Roger Goodell in the press box. And what a coincidence, after the Super Bowl, that leaked and got out to the public. Russell Wilson is not happy. And there is a possibility. There's already odds out there on trades. The Seattle Seahawks have received countless calls, and they keep telling everyone he's not available. But that's a lie because... If you're still picking up the phone, it's because you're waiting to be blown away. And back in 2018, there was a rumor out there that Seattle was willing to trade Russell Wilson to the Browns for the first pick in the draft. One of the rumors that was out there was Seattle was willing to make a trade with the Cleveland Browns and then draft Josh Allen. That was big, but the Browns weren't going to do that. So Seattle was turned down at that moment. So if there's a chance and a team offers up to three first-round picks, which I believe that would be what someone of Russell Wilson's caliber is worth, then Seattle will listen. So you said some interesting things, and I, I totally agree with you. That rumor was validated by very credible insiders, and I had actually personally forgot about it, so thank you for reminding us. It kind of just shows the disillusionment between Seattle and Russell Wilson for whatever reason they don't love each other as much as they should and I think it's actually more on the Seattle side they don't love him as much as they should because you said uh, that Seattle got lucky in drafting some wide receivers and yes it may be looked at that way so I'm not saying that you're wrong they found some nice talent some nice talent fell to them but I would argue it's not luck I would say it's Russell Wilson uh, DK Metcalf came into the league and the scouting report was basically a bodybuilder that couldn't run routes. Yeah, he's fast, but that Russell Wilson playground football, DK Metcalf, it created him. The same thing with Lockett, kind of fitted into the Russell Wilson mold. Russell Wilson created him. And then there's Will Disley. Remember when he was on fire until he got injured? Like, who's Will Disley? He blocked in college. He's nobody. And pair him with Russell Wilson, and he's awesome. There's a couple things that I'll say, though, uh, some positive and some negative as well to the Russell Wilson Seattle side. The problem has always been to me Seattle's offense. I call a better offense on Madden, and I'm not joking, uh, and I don't spend a lot of time all day trying to figure out what, that, what those plays are going to be. 
So it, it definitely has to do with this prehistoric offense that they run from the 1980s and have continued to run. They interviewed Adam Gase. What the heck? Again, another disrespect to Russell Wilson. He is the most sacked quarterback, Marv. The one thing I'll say to that to uh, defend Seattle is he's not great on the script. He's more of a playground player, and he creates some of those sacks himself. If you watch the tape, he does create some of those sacks himself, though they should definitely get him offensive line because their offensive line is pretty bad. And to let Russ cook, he needs a sufficient offense, a good play caller, that means, and an offensive line, and he doesn't have it. And again, O-line matters. Uh, We're seeing it again and again with these quarterbacks that are struggling and that want more. Uh, Deshaun Watson doesn't have a very good offensive line either, so that's the key to to making a quarterback happy to start. And then you can add the receivers because in order to get them open downfield, you have to have scheme and blocking, which they have speed. They just don't have the scheme and the blocking to get the guys open. Uh, Odds on him leaving Marv odds on him being traded I I would tend to agree with you that if you're picking up the phone you're you'll listen to offers you're interested in in some way even if it's only 10 percent but if you're a Vegas handicapper I know it's going to be plus not minus what's the number that you're going to give us I would say plus 700 about plus four about plus seven, six to seven hundred, that's the the odds, which means it's not likely, but there's still chance. I mean, once the reports dropped, there was already teams like there was odds of like at least six teams that would be interested or at least that would be able to make this type of trade. Mm-hmm. And when I looked at the list, the first team on there was Las Vegas Raiders, which I was shocked to see. Also saw the Dallas Cowboys, the Miami Dolphins, the Denver Broncos, and I believe another team was on there. I don't remember if it was the Jets, but it, it was about six teams that was on that list. And for Vegas to drop uh, an odds, a list of, of teams where there's smoke, there got to be a fire. So that means Seattle at least is listening, and potentially those probably could be teams that already have checked in on Russell. Yeah, plus 700, so that would be about 100. You make 700 back uh, for a total of 800. You get seven times your money in return. I would go plus 1,000 probably, but the situation to me, it's interesting because the situation is different than Houston, but I could argue that Russell Wilson has more leverage because he is 32 years old and he's already made money. He has a pop star wife who makes money. I mean, he, he doesn't need anything other than he wants to win Super Bowls, uh, similar to a Tom Brady. And that's the evolution I see happening here, where Tom Brady was always, yes, whatever Mr. Belichick says and Mr. Kraft and Mr. Nice Guy. And people respected him because he won a lot. But now in Tampa, he is so revered and respected because he's one of the guys. He's a voice of the team. He's a voice of also excellence and an unbelievable performance. He holds people to a standard, but he walks that line. And I'm looking forward to Russell Wilson walking that line to being his authentic self. Cause nothing is ever sunshine and rainbows for everybody all the time. And that's how he acts. And that's just not true. And his teammates, uh, fans, they know that. And we're finally going to see the real Russell Wilson. I'm excited about it. 
And if it's better somewhere else and they can get him somewhere that's going to respect him, I'm for that as well. Let's kick off our third quarter and talk a little bit of the NBA. Is there one thing, something unexpected, that could stand in the way of the defending champs? So we've talked about it a little bit on the show. We've been covering mostly NFL, but we're shifting into a little bit of NBA. And we said that the Lakers should be the favorite to win the championship. And I still do believe that. They have the best duo out there. They have the deepest roster in the NBA. And after all, they are defending champs. But there's a little thing sneaking up on them. And I'm going to tell you what that is. The Los Angeles Lakers have played back-to-back-to-back overtime games. One of those was multiple overtimes. There's a little thing called injury that can sneak up when this happens. Remember, this season in the NBA is unprecedented. They played until October. They start up again a couple months later. The offseason was shorter. LeBron is now older. I know he seems superhuman, but he is 36 years old, and Anthony Davis is about as fragile as they come. He's already nursing an Achilles injury. Ever had one? I have. It's not fun. It hurts. It bothers you on a daily basis. And for somebody as fragile and big as Anthony Davis, it's not a good thing. So I'm here to tell you that the Lakers should go to the NBA and say, hey, we'd like to rest some of our players because that's against NBA policy right now. They call it load management. And load management is not allowed in the NBA. You can get fined for sitting players without injuries. I would go to the NBA and say, hey, we have an unprecedented season. Our guys just won the championship. They had the least amount of time off. I have old players, I have fragile players that need some rest. So we are going to rest them. And the NBA should oblige, but if they do not, I would tell them to kick rocks. The fines that it would take to cover this is pennies out of LeBron James' pockets. It's the Los Angeles Lakers, the biggest international brand in the NBA. Pay the fines because... The last thing that I want to see is another team eliminated from contention in the NBA, which we're already struggling from. The Warriors don't have a contender there because no Clay Thompson. And I don't want to see another team eliminated. And then we're left with basically Brooklyn and the Clippers because our championship contenders are already minimal. So the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, Frank Vogel, whoever it is, they better put their heads together and figure this out because they need to do it to protect their chance to repeat as NBA champions. Marv, I look at the Lakers. I see six-game winning streak. It's taken a lot out of them. The season last year took a lot out of them, of course, being out of their routines, being in a, a theme park for three months. It's just too much. At a certain point, your body gives out either consciously or subconsciously, and that's what I foresee happening to the Lakers if they do not load manage here. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that assessment? I fully agree. Uh, 
what the NBA is trying to do is rush these games. And a team like the Lakers, they're pretty up there in age. Uh, if you look at all the guys on their team, they have a lot of older guys. And in the long run, if they're able to preserve their bodies by playing less games or taking more breaks in between games, then they'll be better off come playoff time. See, one thing I don't like is what the NBA is doing currently, which a lot of players are really upset about, is they're trying to force these guys to play the All-Star game. Originally, when they first agreed to the new CBA for this season, they said there was going to be no All-Star game, and the players agreed to that. Now the NBA is coming around, and they're saying we're going to have an All-Star game after all in Atlanta. And a lot of guys like LeBron and uh, big-time uh, players like Dame Dash out there in, um, in Portland are really upset because they're blindsided. They thought they were going to get that week off to rest their bodies because at the end of the day, they're going to be in the playoffs and they need to rest the bodies so they could be healthy to be able to play those seven-game series. That's 40 extra games the Lakers will have to play if they make it to the NBA championship again. So right now, the NBA has to find a way to be more lenient with their rules when it comes to load management because they're going to end up forcing the Lakers' hand and it's going to be a, a standoff that the NBA is not going to want to deal with. And that quality is going to suffer if any of those star players from the Lakers get injured or any of the star players from any other team gets injured because the NBA stubbornly does not want to alter their rules to help these guys stay healthy. This is an issue of the NBA scrambling. They've put themselves in a hole on multiple levels. First of all, it's the pandemic. It's COVID. Um, that definitely does not help. But now they're scrambling to have an all-star game. When players don't want it, it creates unhappiness so that they can create eyeballs and revenue. And I think it's very short-sighted because it's not a great PR look for NBA fans tend to be more uh, let's call it woke and younger. Uh, so that's kind of the more of the group that's afraid of, of COVID and you're going to do it during COVID. LeBron hates it. As you mentioned, Dame Lillard hates it. These are the biggest voices in the NBA and they're not even going to show up. It's not going to make you that much money, uh, but they created this revenue shortfall on their own by allowing what has happened to the league to, to happen. Uh, Star mobility is one thing, but to have guys wake up on the wrong side of the bed one day and grant their trades five days later is an entirely different problem. And we've talked about that already on the show where it's just there's to me, there's three teams that are, are relevant. There's Brooklyn, the Clippers, and there's uh, Brooklyn Clippers and Lakers. That's it. I mean, Milwaukee, that's a cute story, bro, but it's Milwaukee. They just lost to Phoenix the other night. I, I don't take them seriously. Come on. Do we, do we, and we have some nice upstart teams that are a good, good story to watch. Utah, the Nuggets. I think the Nuggets could contend outside shot if everything broke right for them. 
But they're, they're upstart. They're a couple of years away. So the NBA has a problem. They have a ratings problem because of some injuries as well with Klay Thompson and the Warriors are irrelevant. It, it's, a, it's a big problem. I don't know how you fix it. We've talked about it before. Uh, but it's certainly not trying to milk every penny. That never works out. And the All-Star game, as you mentioned, is a disaster. They need to be lenient and they need to be flexible. Uh, Adam Silver has done a very good job of that, I, I think, so far. They're kind of divulging from that because I think you and I would both agree on this, Marv, that is it not just great to, to have games and have revenue compared to no revenue? Yeah, it is. Um, and the more eyeballs, the more money that the NBA gets to pocket. Um, I understand that they need the money and the TV revenue for their next salary cap, which is going to affect everyone. Uh, they still haven't mentioned what it's going to be. But I'm sure it's going to be under, uh, at least, under um, a number that no one really expects, and it's gonna, it's gonna change everyone's way of thinking and the way teams are built for the next season. So we're gonna see. It's a big sacrifice by the NBA because, as we said, they're rubbing their stars the wrong way. As uh, uh, LeBron said, does he want to play in it? No. But it's his obligation, so he'll, if he gets voted in, he's going to show up. Of course, against his own will, but he's going to show up, and that's not a good look for the NBA. Yeah, it's not. And um, if they have to cut some salary cap, to your point, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I never want to take away anyone's ability to earn the most money possible. But, I mean, guys coming off the bench averaging 10 points, making $10 million a, ga- uh, a game, a, a season, this is getting a little bit ridiculous in terms of what they're paid. And I think it's feeding the culture where it's creating these super teams or guys playing for almost nothing because nothing is like $3 million, and they already earned $15 million for being a bench player somewhere else. So it's like, okay, if I can go play with LeBron for three mil. Or I take a trade and take a pay cut. I make 30, 30 instead of $40 million. If you put a little pressure on them and money matters a little bit, I think we could actually see a better product. So I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Again, not rooting for anyone to make less money. That's not my point. But logistically, uh, it kind of makes sense. I think that would, that would actually maybe help the NBA. So they can, it's, to me, it's about doing the right thing by your employees, your players, and by doing the right safety things uh and public opinion things and i I don't want to make a statement about covid dangerous or not because i know 50 percent listening on one side 50 percent listening on the other side but i just think it's bad optics to force an all-star game that nobody cares about anyways who watches the nba all-star game i watch the the dunk contest and the three-point shooting because i'm bored on a saturday night but it's not not something i stop my my world for and i've kind of seen haven't we seen every dunk already is there any dunk you haven't seen marv they're all pretty much carbon copies every year. It's the same. With the creativity levels have dropped. It's, we've basically seen everything. It's twenty. Well, we're we're in our late twenties, early thirties, and we've seen them all. <laughs> yeah, and and to defend them, the creativity has dropped. But it's no longer about the dunk. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up with this. It's, it's not about the dunk. It's about what car you can bring and what candle you can blow out. It's all about this like artistic creativity, which is why I watch it, because that's cool. But at a certain point, human performance only goes so far, and you can't do 980 dunks. I mean, 360 is about it. You could maybe do 720, but like 
to raise the bar would you'd have to spin in the air seven times and it's just not possible we've we've seen them <laughs> the peak of human performance for the next 10 or 20 years as far as it comes to dunk and i don't know even know if we can get further than we are right now period but then again if i asked you in 1950 if we'd see 260 pound players running four five forties in the nfl i don't think you'd believe that either so uh, we'll see what happens but i don't think they should do the all-star game and with that let us shift into our fourth quarter we'll give you the quick hitters from around the league and our takes and we do that quickly not a lot of news this week so we only have a couple points we're going into the nfl here marv i know you saw it the bucks super bowl parade tom brady uh had a little bit of too much avocado tequila and uh he threw his seventh super bowl trophy around uh from boat to boat that was interesting uh what did you make of it all i loved it it showed the confidence tom brady has in gronk making another catch <laughs> at this time he saved the trophy from going to the bottom of the hillsborough river so i liked it uh I thought it was uh, fun, shows a different side of Tom. When do you ever see Tom small from side to side like the other than winning his championships? He's just having fun. He's enjoying himself. It was great. You mentioned Gronk. It was one last catch. I have to say in the Super Bowl, I was surprised that uh, Gronk was such a part of the game plan, and I guess so was Kansas City. That's why he was so successful. It was like they signed him for that one particular game, which was the Super Bowl. But the celebration, I loved it because it made Tom Brady very relatable. He got hammered just like you do (laughs) with your buddies. Um, He threw the Super Bowl trophy around. He's a fun guy. He's having fun. It may mean a little bit less in terms of value because it's the seventh. So it's like, whatever, I'll just have him make another one. But it was pretty cool. It made Tom Brady very uh, one of us and, and relatable to just blow off steam and have fun after a COVID pandemic and working his you-know-what off for seven, eight months as he does every single season. I'd say 12 months, and I think he takes a day or two off to celebrate the Super Bowl and then goes back to work. But uh, it was pretty cool. Marv? We've been told that uh, Carson Wentz trade is imminent, but that's been several days now, and it's still not done. Um, What are the odds on uh, landing spots for Carson Wentz? What are you hearing? So what I'm hearing is Carson Wentz would love to play for the Colts, but the Eagles already have offers from multiple teams, And the best offer I'm hearing is coming from the Chicago Bears. But the Eagles are dragging their feet. And their expectation is they want to get a package similar to what the Lions got for Matthew Stafford, which is unrealistic due to the fact that Carson Wentz is coming off of a down year. So right now they're dealing with a kind of like a old Western standoff where they're just seeing who makes the first move. And I feel at the end of the day, at this point in conversations and trade offers, he's going to end up being a bear. Uh, They're going to have to take that offer. I just don't know why they're currently dragging their feet. I guess they believe Carson Wentz is that the Bears are going to get Carson Wentz to the 
2017 season, but that's not happening. So if they don't, they're going to be left with a big mess on their hands. And if Wentz is still on the roster, that's going to be tough to, how I say, fix that relationship after they attempted to trade him multiple times to other teams. What's interesting about this is with the Eagles, I I think of them or have thought of them as a well-run franchise for many years, stable ownership, Jeffrey Lurie. I think entirely differently about that. Now you fired Andy Reid, who uh, he does pretty well in Kansas city. If you haven't seen you blow it with Carson Wentz, who was a Super Bowl level quarterback. And I'm not sure if that's all on him or not, but there was some sort of toxic culture going on there where the backup was always the favorite and he was overlooked and disrespected. And I think that that at least gives me hope that Carson Wentz will recover to close to his MVP form and what he was just even a year ago was very good. Uh, But I think it just wore on him at a certain point. Uh, And this is now driving down the price. If Indy's not interested, guess what? It's only Chicago and they're going to lower their offer. And if you want to trade him, you can trade him. If not, then no. So this is a poorly run franchise. Like the rest of the NFC East, I always thought of them as the class of the NFC East. But now the Washington football team actually looks like the best-run franchise in that division. I should step that back a little bit because I do like Joe Judge, and I think he's getting them on the right track in, in New York with the Giants. But they've been a mess for a long time, as have the Cowboys. And uh, the Washington football team were as well. Now Ron Rivera and Joe Judge are bringing structure. The Cowboys are still a joke, and the Eagles look like a joke. So we'll see where that goes, but uh, agree with your assessment there. Finally, uh, since we're in the mood of predicting quarterbacks and where they'll be, do you have a landing spot for Deshaun Watson as that drama continues? Will he be a Texan or will he be elsewhere? As much as this pains me to say being a Denver Broncos fan, I believe the best landing spot for Deshaun is going to be the New York Jets. Uh, The Texans insider, John McCain from uh, Houston, he mentioned, he was interviewed a few days ago, and he mentioned the Texans are going to hold on to Deshaun, but if they do decide to trade him, it's going to be the Jets because the Jets do have the best package as in being the number two pick, plus they have Sam Darnold. A couple young pieces they could throw in and make the deal work. Now, if that happens, then, of course, the Texans will go ahead and take Zach Wilson with the second pick. But that's another story. But at the end of the day, it's going to probably be the Jets and only the Jets. And Deshaun Watson has let it known. He's let everyone know that's his preferred destination, number one spot. So... We'll see how this all plays out. I'm hoping it doesn't play out like that if they do decide to trade him. But um, the Jets are looking like they're in the driver's seat. Not exactly sure why he would want to be a Jet, which makes me question his decision-making in general. But I do support his desire to play for another football team. And uh, I know we signed a contract, and you got to honor your contract. And I get that sentiment, but... He's, what, 25 years old? Name the last 25-year-old who knows what the heck they're doing in life. I didn't. Uh, 
somebody offers you $160 million when you're 25 years old, you tend to say yes, because you didn't know that there was another option. Now it seems to be public opinion that there is another option. Uh, and I support it because they're not winning anything in Houston. And we've said it many times. There are consequences for your actions, consequences of Tom Brady's actions, uh, sacrificing, obsessing, being incredibly dedicated. The consequence was positive. It was a Super Bowl. There are consequences for negative actions. The Texans let Bill O'Brien run their franchise into the ground. And uh, just like when you file for bankruptcy, your life isn't over, but you need to cut back and you don't get to go out to dinner every night anymore. And that's what the Texans need to do. I think it's actually in their best interest to trade him because they need to reset the franchise because it's such a mess. So this is a win-win for everyone, I guess, unless Deshaun Watson goes to the Jets. And then I'll have to reevaluate that. But uh, he, does need, he does need to get out, preferably not the Jets. That, folks, is the end of our show. We thank you all for listening. We appreciate you all. We love you. And uh, we would love it if you could put up a review if you have not already. Follow along with us on Twitter at JMOTBPod, at MTOTBPod. We'd love to interact with you there. Uh, we're going to keep the news coming. Of course, the NFL is the gift that keeps on giving year-round. We will be covering a little bit more NBA as things get more interesting. We get closer to the playoffs. It's a shortened season, so that's coming sooner than later. We're already in February. Marv, do you have anything else for the people? Thanks for tuning in, people. Uh, it's been an honor going over the NFL season with you guys. Uh, the offseason's getting started, so we're going to have a lot of up-to-date news as it breaks. We'll report it and give you guys all the details. And just keep sharing our podcast with other friends if you enjoy it. Keep giving us those five-star reviews. And we really do appreciate you guys. Yeah, we continue to grow organically thanks to you. Not running a lot of ads, not doing a lot of promo. That's not really our style. Uh, but if you promote us, that really helps. Uh, it's true promotion because you like us. You like to listen. You think we add some value to football talk in your life. And um, I don't know if I like the regular season or the off season now better in the NFL. It is awesome. So we'll be covering a lot of it, especially there's quarterback drama. All the superstars are going to be traded. It's like a, a, a TV show mixed with sports. It's incredible. So uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, we're going to be off next week with a little bit of slow news time, but if trades and that break in the meantime, we'll cover it the following week. So we'll see you back here soon. We'll talk to you later. Later people.